Hello and welcome to episode 3 of the After Time Podcast, an NBA gambling show co-hosted by two professional gamblers. My name's Ryan and I'm joined today, as always, by my brother Ronan. Hello. Ronan, the uh, sickest boy in Belfast. I have COVID. He finally got it. So it's Two been, years. Yeah. Two years I made it without the Rona. It actually is very close to the two year anniversary of the first yeah. lockdown, isn't it? Yeah, just about a month away. Thought I'd made it in the clear. Started feeling sick on like Tuesday. Tested negative for a few days and then last night, just as I was getting excited for NBA to come back after All-Star break, I decided to do one more test and yeah, positive. Yeah, you're just testing positive, feeling negative. For that reason, I'm going to be taking the reins today and running the show, so we'll see how I can do. So, talking NBA, just to jump straight into it, All-Star weekend, I was sort of hyped about it, Ronan was saying it was going to be boring and I think it sort of fell Ronan's way, it was a bit shit. The dunk contest was the worst dunk contest in NBA history. Yeah, Not although... Surprising. Obi Toppin won, so there we go. There's a, a certified Ryan tip. Obi Toppin over evens winner, so happy with that. I don't care how shit the contest was if he won the bet, so happy enough. I didn't even watch it, to be honest. I didn't I watch. just watched highlights. Yeah, just to kind of recap what the bets I tipped last week. I had Obi Toppin to win, which won. had the rookies to win the skills challenge, and unfortunately lost to an Evan Mobley half-court shot, which, you know. Mobley. To keep that coming. And... Team LeBron won, but they didn't cover the handicap, which is sad. And Luke Kennard, top three in the three-point shooting one. Trey Young actually made it to the final three, and himself and Kennard both got 26 points, which is a good effort. And then, unluckily, Cat happened to score the most ever points in the three-point contest and won with 29, if I'm not mistaken. So, the All-Star game, by all accounts, was actually, again, it's the Elam ending. People are saying... There's, there's talk of bringing it into the G League. There's talk of bringing it into this potential mid-season tournament next year. Yeah, well, it's a lot more fun, for especially for a one-off game. You know, it's the All-Star game has been so boring for so long. They had to change it up somehow. And it does seem to be to be working. The LeBron game winner was fun to watch. The commentary was really good. The game actually felt like it mattered a bit for once. So, yeah, maybe something they could, in a mid-season tournament, I don't really know what they could award teams for the mid-season tournament. I've heard them talking about playoff places I yeah don't really know like seeding or a or a sort of like a buy almost in the in round well a buy in a round would be way too much yeah that'd be too much i think i've heard someone mention before about maybe a play-in or a play-in style tournament for the number one pick between the bottom six seeds maybe just something like that could work but i don't know do you know i, I listened to a few podcasts where they were talking with the elam ending and talking about just change in general and it actually got me thinking about just the game of basketball and like why not change it you know it's been the same for so long and I think it was Van Gundy was on the Jeff Van Gundy on the low post and he said if it changes the whole drawn out end of game free throw bollocks that you just have to sit through sometimes when it's close that's fun but when it's not close it's it can be shite like it can be shite so I get that and I'd actually be you know why not change it up and they've got the G League now to test it out so yeah plus when you play basketball growing up you know how often do you play to a certain score versus playing timed games obviously for when they're official but when you're playing with your friends or most of the time it's playing the 11 it's always playing this yeah so it's more exciting yeah it is more exciting and like you said it cuts out all the time wasting and shot clock issues and all that yeah yeah and could be potentially down the line if it was brought in an interesting one for betting you know something to think about well I'd never actually considered it in that context but yeah if it ever pops up who knows we'll see if we can find some value in it but yeah so can I complain about last night already yeah go for it so the NBA's back after a week off I was very excited then I got COVID so my excitement was down a little bit going into the the night's games but I thought yeah Cleveland Cavaliers are back let's maybe watch a game playing the Detroit Pistons 
second bottom team in the East. God love you staying up for it. Yeah, so I stayed up for the game. It started at, I think, 12. And I did know that Karis Levert and Darius Garden would be out. And as I said before, watching the Cavaliers without those players is like watching your parents have sex. Yep. So I sat and watched my parents have sex last night for two hours. <laughs> it was sake. fucking horrible. <laughs> Offense was just miserable. There's just no... There's just something missing. You know, good guard play. Can't run pick and rolls when the ball handler doesn't have a shooting threat. So they waved Pangos, right? So who was it? Rondo started point guard and Brandon Goodwin came off the bench. Now, Brandon Goodwin was actually really good because he can shoot and the, de- the defence has to respect his three-point shooting. But when Rondo plays and tries to run pick and rolls, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley don't get any lobs because they don't need to respect Rondo's shooting. Yeah. So Rondo, last night, started, played 26 minutes and was a minus 15 in a three-point loss. God, that is just miserable for a team that yeah. is trying to maybe get a home court uh, first round in the playoffs. That's not good enough. No. And last night the Cavs looked more likely to miss the playoffs than have than be a top four seed. Now, this is the aftertime. I have backed the Cavs to miss the playoffs at 13, uh, 12 to 1 yesterday on Paddy Park. Just a really small bet because Karis LeVert is going to be out for two weeks. We think he stood on someone's foot on Tuesday I don't know what is going on with Darius Garland it's now been maybe three weeks nearly four weeks where they've just, they've decided that he's going to be load managed through his back issue and what we've been told is that they're just going to treat him as day to day he played 24 minutes in the All-Star game last Sunday and then he can't play six days later in a, re- a key division game I tweeted that out yesterday your best player can't play in a key divisional game when you're trying to get home court in the playoffs after he played 24 minutes in the All-Star game it doesn't make any sense and the back injury too so like even even taking part in this kills challenge and shit, I know that's kind of it's a fuck about, but it's not. Don't do it if you're injured and you're like this is. I know their whole thing is they're kind of like the they're trying to make it a win win. I think the Cavs were it's like you know this is the timelines too advanced. Like we we're thinking a couple of years down the line, but you're there, like you are yeah. there, there, which and you've made some moves. You brought in Levert, so like if you're gonna start actually focusing on the now and taking it seriously, like stuff like that is is kind of stupid. Like yeah, I mean the Cavs. There's a world in which the Cavs could finish this season the number one seed in the East. I don't think it's going to happen now, but there was a world in which that could have happened, barring some of these injuries. Now, I know everyone's dealt with injuries in COVID, but you know they have the best net rating, and they had the best net rating in the East before the, the recent injuries started happening. So, yeah, it's it's sometimes you have to just look at it as, maybe now is the time. You don't need to wait two or three years, and load managing a young player through at this stage in the season, I don't know, it's just, how do you... Remember the last Detroit game they lost without Garland? This exact same thing happened. No offense. Defense was okay, but you know, it's, offense is the issue without Garland. Mm-hmm. How did they think it was going to be any different last night without him? Especially when Levert's injured. I mean, that's it. They, they, they brought Levert in to, as that cover, and when he's out too, it, I mean, you're going back to Rondo. And funny enough, when Rondo first came in as part of the replacement for Rubio, you know, it was that cover sort of for Rubio. The hope was, okay, we know he's not the same. He's not as good offensively, but... It was kind of like all hopeful, but now you see without without Levert, if they had, it didn't make that move for Levert and it was Rondo you were falling back on. Huge, huge trouble. Yeah, it would have been huge trouble. trouble. Looking on that division, the Bulls played last night too. I caught the end of it because I was so fuming I couldn't sleep. So I decided to watch some NBA and the Hawks were up three with the ball with 40 seconds left and in their last two possessions had two air balls. And DeMar DeRozan did what DeMar DeRozan did. DeMar does. the mid-range. Yeah, he had five points in the last 40 seconds. And did you see that, that run of 35-plus point games with 50% field 
field goal efficiency is now up to eight. Yeah. So I think he just needs another like fifteen or twenty to catch Wilt. <laughs> so there's another Wilt one that's in the horizon. Sometimes you're just up against greatness. You know, there's not uh, like much... I see a lot of people then, especially after that one last night. It's just like why is he why isn't he being talked away for MVP? Well, the reason he's not is because if you actually look at the stats, oh my god, he's quite clearly. No, I know he he's he's a. He's a tier below, yeah. but do you know what? If they, if they do well and truly, if he keeps performing like this and they're getting Lonzo and Crusoe back, so the defense is going to improve, then, like, I mean, who's to say, like, sadly, the world in which the Bulls don't top the East? Maybe. Now, they do have the second hardest remaining schedule, but they just seem to keep winning anyway. Yeah, there's and, no fall off from DeRozan. Yeah, and just quickly as well, the Cavs did have the lead last night with 40 seconds left. It was two, two games, both of which could have went our way. The Cavs had the lead with 40 seconds left. Cade Cunningham drove into the lane and tripped on his own feet. And the refs gave him two free throws. And I heard that. I didn't see it. I haven't seen the... JB Bickerstaff didn't challenge the call. I saw someone on Twitter saying JB Bickerstaff hasn't used a challenge since December. So he's really... For someone who's supposed we think could be coach of the year, stuff like stuff like that can't really happen. It was such you a habit to use it, why not? He was scared of losing his timeout. Oh, well, and he only true. had one timeout left, but okay, it was true. such an so I can see I can see why he didn't that really needs changed by the way too. Yeah, but it was such an obvious no call. He tripped over his own feet, and Okoro was trying his best to get out of the way. Cunningham makes two free throws. Pistons go up one, and then the Cavs go down the other end, and Jared Allen kind of does the same thing. Trips over his own feet because he got the chair pulled away from him, and the refs call the travel. <laughs> so it's it's fine margins like this yeah is, it really is, is. Thing. This is and also uh, just a side note kind of why usually we're not the biggest fans of betting on individual NBA games because we've been burned so many times so a quick sort of flashback to the ones that probably spring to both our minds at the same time are uh, the Utah Jazz getting beat by the ghost of Derrick Rose when he dropped 50 points like the amount of times we've been ahead of like closing lines before the matches start because there's injury news and we beat the, the price movement or you know, it's mostly injury news is why you would why we would have bet on individual games, but it's just happened so many times that teams will have their four best players injured and they'll bring up some G leaguers who'll drop 30, 35, 40 points and you'll you'll lose by one in overtime. And it's just happened so many times that we generally try to stay away from them because an an individual game has so much variance, especially nowadays with the the rise of three point shooting and kind of why we prefer betting on outrights and why we prefer betting on division winners and why we prefer betting on playoffs. Because best of seven series is, and you know, best of, I mean, the league as a whole, games. eighty-two games, yeah, is a better and more accurate representation of a team's skill than yeah. you know an individual game. But yeah, just a side note. Well, here's a perfect example of that: the Detroit Pistons, who we were just talking about, are three and twelve over their last fifteen games. The three wins, two wins over the Cavs, and one win over the Celtics. The two fucking teams that I tipped in our first episode, <laughs> the Pistons lose twelve of their games. Yeah, someone in Detroit doesn't points. like you. Yeah, so yeah. Things okay. like that happen, but yeah, okay. Well, but the strength of schedules are, are looking okay for us, and there's a decent amount of games left, so we just have to keep keep an eye on it, and we'll keep updating people as we go. Moving on from that, now we're going to get into the meat of today's podcast, and we kind of thought together with the All Star break, things quieting down a bit. We've talked about awards, talked about divisions. What else is there in the in the horizon for us? And something that. I actually don't know if you've even had a bet on yet. I know I haven't. Outright championship winners is what we're going to be talking about today. So the reason why I personally would hold off on that throughout the year is injuries. The NBA, five players on the court really. You're going to have eight-man rotations in the playoffs. So like one injury can really impact the team. So something we've learned to stay away from is betting too much on 
the the championship as a whole because or early in the season and as the season goes through we generally probably from around now is when we would usually start sort of building a portfolio on on a team we're going to talk today the format's going to be we've decided you're going to have a gun to your head who is your one pick to win the nba championship now you can bring into this as much as you want value at the odds they are or if it's just who do you think is going to win the championship? So I'm going to send it over to you first, Ronan. Gun to your head. Who's going to win? The Golden State Warriors. Okay. So I think the Warriors are just the best team in the league. If you remember early in the season, Draymond Green got injured in the middle of January. And before that, the Warriors were 29-7. and seven, Top of the West with the best net rating, the best simple rating. If you remember before the season, actually, the Warriors started, everybody thought they were going to be a play-in team because they were last year. There was concerns over Clay Thompson coming back. There were concerns over Draymond Green. Draymond Green, he's admitted it himself. Last year, he packed it in. Yeah, he didn't care. He didn't care. And he came back with a bit of renewed purpose. And pretty quickly, after the first month, I think everybody realised the Warriors weren't going to be a play-in team. They were going to be a top-four seed, at least. Yeah, they made it to halfway through January, before Draymond got injured, with the best net written in the league, best simple written, as I've said, all before Clay Thompson came back. So there was an, and it was annoying because Clay came back about a week after Draymond got injured, so they never actually played together. Still haven't. Yeah. No, they still haven't played together. Now you've obviously got James Wiseman coming. I don't really think that Wiseman's very good. I don't think he'll turn the needle so much. But not only that, they had a couple of really key victories in the first couple of months that made me sit back and go, oh. These and this team is for real. They went to the Nets on November 16th and won 117 to 99. So by 18 points, James Harden was playing, Kevin Durant was playing. The Nets had a full team. Now, obviously, the Nets team looks a bit different now, but at the time, the Nets were strong, strong-ish favorites for that game. They were, they were odds on, and everybody saw it as kind of like a bellwether for how good the Warriors were. I didn't expect the Warriors to win, and they went in and blew the Nets away. Not only that, because at the time we thought the Nets were gonna be maybe the best team in the East. But the Suns were maybe only two or three wins off the Warriors at the time. The Warriors this year are 2-1 and one versus the Suns when Draymond has been fit with two away victories. If you remember the Christmas Day game, 116-107. Yeah. yeah, and the Phoenix is somewhere that actually has built up quite a good home advantage too. So. Yeah, they're, say what you want about them in the playoffs, but I know they got to the conference finals last year, but there's, they are seen as a bit of a regular season team. So for the Warriors to go in to Phoenix on Christmas and beat them quite handy... When the Suns were... They got at the finals last year. Yeah, but yeah. they're a bit like the Jazz in that everybody knows they're a good team, but there was playoff questions about them. Yeah. But regular season-wise, no one's surprised when teams like the Jazz or the Suns win big games because they tend to do well at regular season. A bit like the Bucks used to be before the Bucks finally got to the finals last year. The Bucks were always a bit of a regular season team. So, But what I'm trying to say is they had big wins against big teams. And I think people now are low on the Warriors because Steph Curry's shooting slump. I get that. But he's still the best shooter of all time. He's been doing this without Draymond Green, who I think Sneaky is maybe more important offensively than defensively. I know we have bets on him for Defensive Player of the Year, but the the Warriors' defense hasn't really suffered that much without Draymond Green. Offensively, they've suffered. The thing people always talk about when the, in terms of the Warriors' offense is the gravity of Steph and Clay. So they both demand so much attention, more so Steph and Clay. But when Clay's hot, he demands he should demand just as much. That only really works when you have like the other parts of the of the team. Do you know what I mean? So like when you have Draymond driving in, everyone knows he's not a great shooter, so they'll step off. Driving in, collapsing defenses. You know, starting those movements, swinging it, swinging around the perimeter to get the Steph and Clay. He is in all sort of senses, like the quarterback of that team. Like, everyone always says he's the quarterback of their defence, but he is of their offence too, in a way. Steph and Clay are just constant movement, but Draymond is that linchpin, and, you know, they definitely do miss him. 
Yeah, that's exactly why. They have the best defence in the league even without Draymond. And they've missed Draymond now for over 20 games. I think it's nearly 25 games. Which, as we know, defence wins championships. You generally don't do well in the playoffs without a good defence. So the, defensively, I don't have any worries about the Warriors. Offensively, if Draymond was still feeling his back issue and his calf issue, without Draymond, I think I would make the Suns favourite in a series. With Draymond, I would make the Warriors favourite over the Suns. That's what I was about to say, because then again, once you start thinking about rights, you have to always bring to mind matchups. You have to think, put them against the other teams in their conference, first of all, in, say, second round or you know conference finals, and then even the team from the other the other uh, conference in the finals. Matchup-wise, with Draymond, I'm happy enough the Warriors going up against anyone else, really. But when you take him out of the equation, and you've just got Steph and Clay, I don't know uh, Wiggins has been playing all right now, but it's really... Steph and Clay are the two main men. The matchups become a lot easier for other teams as they can afford to pull, you know, better defenders over to those two. And when you don't have Draymond, and they're causing trouble. So yeah, I I do I do see that. Yeah, and we've seen over the years with teams that make deep playoff runs is who is your seventh and eighth guy? When the Warriors were at their peak, you know, their seventh and eighth guys were Sean Livingston. Leandro Barbosa, Zaza Pachulia, David West. You know, they always had players who could be on the floor in a playoff series. I think they have that this year. Jordan Poole has really come along. Otto Porter looks like one of the best vet minimum signings ever. Jonathan Kaminga is an interesting one, the rookie. I know sometimes he looks like he doesn't have a clue what he's doing, but there's other times he looks like he could be the most athletic player in the NBA. He looks like it maybe like a Jalen Brown. I don't want to say Kawhi Leonard, but I've heard Steve Kerr call him Giannis in terms of athleticism. The problem is, though, Kerr has shown absolutely no signs that he would be willing to play him in the playoffs. That's he, true. He barely plays him in the regular season. Well, no, he's played a lot more now. I think he's their fifth top scorer at the minute. I know it's only like nine points a game, but he's playing a lot more now that Draymond's out. Yeah, true, but before Draymond went out, when they had their, arguably their team, well, obviously Clay was still missing at that point, there was a lot of talk, I you know, listened to that uh, light years. Warriors pod like they were talking about the lack of minutes Kaminga was getting and anytime he comes on he, it's that it's not just what he does it's how he does it so he's that like spark plug energy sort of lift people on those regular season games where no one else could be arsed or you're in LA and you're all hungover you know he seems to be that that sort of energizer yeah he's very raw he, he obviously has athleticism and talent but some I've heard people saying uh, Warriors coaches and pundits saying he does sometimes he just doesn't look like he knows NBA basketball yet which is okay for a rookie, and yeah, maybe he won't play that much in the playoffs. More likely to be Iguodala, as they're maybe eighth or ninth man, but he's had his injury concerns this year, but I think he's just coasting through the season. So yeah, I think the, the Warriors gun to my head. I think definitely in the West. I, I'd make the Warriors the favourites in the West if everybody was healthy. Now, there's one team in the East I would make favourites against the Warriors in a finals matchup, but I don't know if they will make the finals, which is why I gun to my head I'm picking the Warriors overall. Is it the Bucks? It is the Bucks. Okay, well that's a really interesting point because gun to my head, if I had to pick one team to win the NBA championship today, it would be the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay. So, although funny enough, I will preface that by saying if you held a slightly smaller gun to my head, I would have picked the Phoenix Suns. So, I'll talk about the Bucks, but just to let you know, before the Chris Paul injury, if Chris Paul injury didn't happen... I might not be talking about the Bucks today. I, I would probably be talking about the Suns. I'm so impressed by them, and I think they've got better and they've got deeper. But current state of affairs, current state of injuries, I'm going to go with the Bucks. The reason why, they're the fourth favourite at 8.5s at the minute. So, you know, I actually kind of think that's decent odds, but again, there's still, what, less than a third of the season left, so still plenty of games left. I think the Bucks. I subscribe to the theory that they've got a bit of a, not a championship hangover, but they won the championship, they got the monkey off their back. And they're coasting a lot more. They're not the same regular season tryhards that they were a couple of years ago, you know, when Bud won Coach of the Year in the top of the East. They don't need to be. 
and they, you know, they they are the they're kind of like the big dicks in town. You know what I mean? They won the championship. They don't really have anything to prove anymore. So I do like that, and I'm aware that their stats in general as a team aren't the best. So they're the sixth best offense this year and the twelfth best defense. So that doesn't really stand out. The Suns, for example, are third and fourth. So like that would jump out to you more as a team that you know could could definitely do it. But I'm aware that the the big three for the Bucks, Drew, Chris Middleton, and Giannis missed a lot of games together early in the season, and again it. I think they're just trying to get to the playoffs. I honestly do think think that. And also, maybe an argument you could you could make this argument as a positive or a negative, but they have the str- the hardest schedule remaining. So there was a podcast I was listening to, and they they actually argued that as a positive. Uh, it was Van Gundy again on the Low Post said, you know, they they're gonna come into the playoffs sharp. They're, they have the hardest. They're playing the best teams in the league in the run up to the playoffs. So they're gonna be coming into the playoffs firing on all cylinders. Which I do you know what that that makes sense to me. So yeah. They've got, again, they've got playoff experience. They've got the best player on the court in any series, I think, in Giannis. Do you know, kind of the same tier as, I think, Embiid and Jokic in that sense. But in any series, you're going to trust one person and the, his improvements in free throw shooting, which become very important in the playoffs, and his improvement in shooting in general. Do you know, iso ball, if he needs to, you're going to see a lot less, hopefully, a lot less bricks and clangers. Well, he's a much more complete player now than he was two years ago. We had bets on the Bucks to win the league, win the title in 2020, 2019. But if you compare the Giannis then to the Giannis in the finals last year, oh my God, a completely different player. He showed about 50 points in game six. You know, he's he took a leap last year in, in the finals where he quite clearly was the best player in the NBA, I thought at the time. And not only that, like the, the performance in the finals with his knee injury and getting 50 points in the last game, like he, like it was complete star stuff. Like it was incredible. Plus, what have the Suns changed this year to show you that they would be able to beat the Bucks? In that, a that's series? that's the other reason why I wouldn't pick them was because I would the Suns the yeah the Warriors are there thereabouts as well but the Suns I could see an easy path for them to get to the finals but again in the finals they come up against the Bucks again I know they were carrying a few injuries I think Cameron Payne was out for the finals right Almost, he might have been and um, they they were maybe carrying a few injuries going into the finals Darius Sarge was out yeah I know Sarge was out but he's still out yeah yeah but the Bucks. The Bucks beat them. The Bucks matched up well with them, and you know they could. The, the Suns couldn't control Giannis. So I think the Suns have got deeper in in certain ways. You know, and they added Tory Craig, and uh, they added some backup uh, backup point guard as well for Chris Paul. I mean that that ended up being quite good because Chris Paul then got injured. I mean they didn't add anyone who's going to stop Giannis. Yeah, no, they they haven't solved the Giannis problem yet for me. I don't think anyone has. To be fair, no. I think the only. Maybe the only team that can solve the Giannis problem is the Bucks if they don't play well enough to get to the finals to, yeah. to face the the Suns. I could see a world in which the Bucks lose to quite a few teams in the East. I think I could see the Bucks losing to the Nets. I could see the Bucks losing to the Sixers. The Heat. Maybe the Heat. I. That's something. Yeah. I will. Probably the most disrespected team in the East. Yeah, I don't like them, but I do respect them. But yeah, I think when you were talking about us betting on the Bucks a couple of years ago too, like you have to look as well. They they did what they needed to do. They got rid of Bledsoe. They got Drew Holiday in. And like Drew has been up and down. You know, his shooting can kind of... It can fucking do my head. And sometimes he just looks like he's breaking everything. Middleton can be so hot or cold as well. But when those three are on form, the three of them together this year, when they've been on the floor together, a net rating of 11.7, which would be, you know, best in the league by a lot. But that's, that's kind of... It's a bit of a noisy stat. But I think on form, those three... In the playoffs, three all stars, right? Which is the whole thing everyone says about winning the championship. You got a good defense. We know the Bucks have a good defense, and you need to have stars, and they do have stars, and the best player in the court. So I mean, I think that's what really says it all. Yeah. Plus, Brook Lopez is back in training this week. 
which is big for them because obviously last year their defense with Lopez was much different to this year where Bobby Portis is playing at the five. So Giannis is playing off ball like we know he does, but Bobby Portis is the man protecting the rim, which isn't really what no. you want. Whenever you, it's not as good. No, the the box defense. The whole idea was to funnel people to the rim, and let Brook Lopez challenge the shots. Whereas you can't really funnel people to the rim and let Bobby Portis challenge shots because he's only like six nine. Yeah, I've been imp- I've been impressed with Portis. Like I have, I really like him, and I've been impressed with Grayson Allen. Great shooter. Ibaka, I was happy about the Ibaka ad. I've I've actually sort of saw- not soured, but I've I've simmered down a bit off that. He, I was watching him on defense more than anything, and he, he just looks slow these days. But Connaughton injury breaking the finger wasn't great, but he should be back. He'd be back for the playoffs, so yeah. um that's all right and. Yeah, like if Brooke comes back, I don't know what sort of shape he'd be in. If he comes back and he's anywhere near his usual self, like they've got a deep team, you know. I, yeah, I, yeah, I think on paper they've got better than last year. Swapping DiVincenzo for Grayson Allen is an upgrade, I think. I, I think I agree with you there. I think they've got better on paper. I also agree with you in that I think they probably are coasting a bit through the regular season. And, you know, it's get, get to the playoffs, hopefully everybody's healthy, and then we know we can beat anyone in a seven game series yeah finals matchup wise I'm thinking them against the Suns or them against the Warriors the thing is the Bucks give up the most threes in the league or one of the most threes in the league that's kind of like their thing like you said is funnel people or uh, they'll their, their rim protection their rim defence is incredible but they give up a lot of threes and obviously that doesn't sound great if you put them in a potential finals matchup against the Warriors because they have Steph and Clay. but the Steph shooting slump I don't like you said it, he's the best shooter ever but he is on an extended slump like even he, he shot they made 16 threes in the all-star game and then came back and shot like two or seven last night and it's weird i don't know i don't know what it is but if that continues and if that continued i mean i don't know if they'd reach the finals if that continued into the playoffs but if they so i suppose if they did make it to the finals you'd assume steph would be shooting good enough that that would be a worry for the bucks i think it would be an incredible series i think the defense in that series considering how good the warriors defense has been and how smart draymond is if he's healthy how they would guard Giannis. And just how they would how they would approach that series against the Bucks and all the the changes like that would be made you know in game and all I I would love to watch it. That would be a chess match. Who yeah. do you think the Bucks would rather face in the finals, the Suns or the Warriors? Suns been there, done that. They know the template. Like I said, the Suns haven't added any, added anyone to stop Giannis, so I don't see why they would they would be worried. Okay, fair enough. Now on to dark horses. So who do we think is an outsider? Maybe like the Hawks last year. An outsider who could make a conference finals run, maybe even a, a finals run. So I'll throw it over to you first, Ren. Who's who's your dark horse? Again, just before I jump into dark horse, I have a couple of special mentions because the dark horse thing can be interpreted different ways. So my first actual dark horse special mention would be the Nuggets. So they're currently 36s. You can get them at, so 35 to 1 to win the, the championship. They've got last year's MVP in Jokic, potentially this year's MVP again. Who, again, he'll be the best player on the court in any series up until he faced Giannis, probably. And they've got good good role players who know that know the rules and know how to play them, but they've been missing their other stars. So they've been missing Jamal Murray very badly and Michael Porter Jr. There was this weird quote Mike Malone had about they both might be back this year and they both might not be back this year. There's no way MPJ comes back this year after that back surgery. I just don't see that happening. But the talk is that Murray will be back soon. I saw a video of Murray shooting. And he's back in training. It could be another couple of weeks, but I, I think he'd be back for the playoffs, yeah. So Murray coming back with Jokic and with their role players would have me cons- almost considered him as my dark horse pick. But the lack of MPJ, I, he improves so much. I think he's such a good offensive weapon for them in the playoffs too, just with his size, that it wasn't enough for me to pick them. So then here's where I, I got sort of bogged down. 
my second pick was going to be the Miami Heat. They're thirteens. They're like fifth or sixth favorite. The Bucks are the fourth favorite. So I don't really know how I could sit and say gun to my head the the team I think is going to win is the Bucks and then call a team a dark horse that's almost the same odds as them or just slightly higher odds on them. So I thought in the spirit of the dark horse I wouldn't pick a team that's thirteens. So I went instead to a bit higher odds, the Dallas Mavericks. For my dark horse. Give me strength. <laughs> give me strength. What? They're fifty ones. They're fifty to one, right? So I'll give you the case for it and then you can you can tell me why I'm wrong. Alright. So last two years, Mavericks have made the playoffs. The first year was Luca's rookie year. Right? And the in both years they've been put out by the Clippers led by Kawhi and Paul George. Last year they went four four or they lost four three in the series. And the Clippers then went on to make the Western Conference Finals, only to get put out by the Suns, who then went to the Finals and got beat by the Bucks. So they got put out by an incredible team, and they ran them close. And Luca, Kawhi was incredible in those series. It was an amazing battle between them two, and Luca showed he could be the best player on the court in the playoffs. He's, he's that good already. He's got two years of experience in it now. So, you know, that's not a worry. And Luca can, can sit there, and he'll, he'll drop 40, 50-point games in the playoffs, which sometimes you do need. Porzingis is gone. I'm delighted about that. He... I fucking could not stand him. I just watching him just have try to post smaller players up outside the paint, falling away, couldn't back anyone down. It was just depressing watching it. So I'm happy they've got rid of him. The bad part of that is they replaced him with Dinwiddie and Bertans, which I uh, you know if you're talking about moving the needle in the playoffs, I'm sorry, but they don't do it. Again, it's a weird one because at the start of this year, did not like Jason Kidd taking over. Don't didn't rate him as a coach and have somewhat turned around on that in terms of how they performed this season. They started badly, Luca was injured, he came in out of shape again and I read a report recently where he, he took it to heart actually that he was seeing all the memes about him being fat and stuff and he actually got back in the gym and he's got into shape again. So, you know, that's good. They're coming in, in good form. They're the fifth best defence in the league. You said earlier, defence wins championships. They're the fifth best. Their their defence has been unbelievable. I know they lost Porzingis you know, it seems to be a team effort. Their, their defence is a real team effort. And, you know, I don't know if it's Kidd, I don't know if it's other coaches, but, you know, they've got a better defence in the Heat, the Clippers, the Jazz, the Bucks, who are all teams that are known for their great defence. That's something I really don't understand this year, how the Mavs have improved so much on defence, considering this is why I said give me strength when you pick the Mavs, because I backed the Mavs for the outright two seasons ago and last season when they had the best net written in the league. And I was like... The best oh. net written? The best... Offensive written ever. Best offensive written ever. And the best net written in the league. And I was like, how is no one else seeing this? Their record isn't showing how good they are. They lost a couple of really close games. If you remember, we had bets on them to win the division and the against James Harden's Rockets, which ended up not winning. But that's when I kind of lost I lost hope in the Mavs because I felt like they were like a, a glass cannon. You know, they had obviously had a brilliant offense, but just when it came to it, they couldn't get any stops. And now, to be fair to Jason Kidd, he's completely turned that around. I do worry about... Tim Hardaway Jr.'s injury. I don't know if he's going to be back to the playoffs. Yeah, that 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 is a, a definitely a, a worry. And just to, to sort of piggyback off your point at the end, the fact that their defense has improved, and we're saying defense wins championships, and they have that best offensive player in any series or in a, most series in Luca. That that's a great combination. Do you know when the when the playoffs boil down to that gritty, slow run the clock out mid-range isolation sort of game like Lucas Lucas is exactly who you want there do you know what I mean and he's had the practice in the last two years going up against arguably maybe one of the best if not the best in the league at Kawhi do you know so I'm sure he's learned a lot from him 
So, I mean, look, their offense isn't great. They're the 16th best offense, so that's pretty depressing. And I know they're not the deepest team. Brunson's come along a lot this year. He's been, he's been given a lot more of a role. Jason Kidd has obviously kind of bought more into the team. I mean, in the last sort of few months, Luca has been shooting a lot back like he used to, but I, I don't really mind that. But the other the other players, they, they have role players that know their roles. They just don't maybe don't have enough of them. And the big worry for them in the playoffs, I think, is who's going to guard DeAndre Ayton, who's going to guard Nikola Jokic, who's going to guard Embiid if the Sixers made it to the finals, or even Giannis. They don't really have that. That would be my worry in terms of playoffs. Again, they're fifty to one. I'm calling them a dark horse. I'm not betting on them. But you know, if you're if you're half if you're reaching outside, I thought it would be a bit boring to pick the Heat. I mean, they're top of the East right now and they're thirteen, so I couldn't really see myself calling them a dark horse. They're a really interesting team to get into. But yeah, so in terms of the Mavericks, they rounded off as well. I wish in the before the trade deadline and even after whenever uh, Dragic entered into the the market. I, I would have loved someone like Dragic going to someone else to get the ball in their hands and to create something. Or again, if they had, there's no one really floating about they could have picked up that would have been helpful to defend Giannis or something. I don't think the Heat are looking to get rid of uh, PJ Tucker. Is it was a great sign. I actually think he's a great sign for them in terms of defending Giannis. Yeah, definitely something the Mavericks would miss. Yeah, fair enough. And for a fifty to one, should it's you kind of have to be brave, don't you? My uh, exactly. My dark horse isn't quite fifty to one, but it is thirty to one. 30 to 1 for the the NBA championship and 12 to 1 for the East and it's the Boston Celtics. The Celtics are the balls. Yeah, uh kind of continuing on from from last week's podcast where I tipped maybe two weeks ago when I tipped the Celtics to win the Atlantic, which I still think is a, a good bet. I checked the Celtics schedule today and they lost two games to the Knicks. The fucking Knicks and if they'd won both of those games they'd be top of the, the Atlantic. The Celtics are a funny team in that they blew so many crunch time leads in 2021 before the turn of the year and since January 1st they've been a completely different team. Now their schedule has lightened up a little and they did play a few games against undermanned teams but since January 1st the Celtics are 18-7 and with the best net rating in the NBA. The 10th best offence and the best defence in the whole league. Their defence has been incredible. Their defence has been really good, yeah. They have the second best defence in the league now overall for the whole season but since January they've had the best defence by quite a bit it's actually interesting when you think about their their sort of defensive composition like Marcus Smart being one of the best defensive guards uh, Time Lord being an incredible defensive centre and then those big rangey wings it's it's everything you need for a good defence yeah well I think I touched on it last week I said I was listening to Brian Scalabrini on the low post talk about how Rob Time Lord Rob Williams had been moved off the ball so he'd been moved into that Giannis role and it completely changed their defence because he as it turns out is a really good sweeper Kind of like the yeah the same role Giannis plays where he won't guard the other team's best big man. He they'll put sometimes they put him on small forwards. You know, Time Lord's a seven foot one post, but he's guarding you know the other team's small forward who maybe doesn't shoot too well from three or maybe like slightly slower. Yeah, so like for example, when the Celtics played the Hawks, they had him guard DeAndre Hunter, who's not going to take a lot of threes and basically just play off him. So in the playoffs, it gives them another scheme they can use against certain teams, and I really really like the Derek White trade. Because it gives you another really good defender, where you've got when you include Al Horford in their top six guys, you know that can switch more or less one through five. Not a lot of teams can can switch to the extent the Celtics do. Plus, we know Ime Udoka likes to run a really switch heavy defense, which early on in the year I think the the players struggled with it, and that kind of contributed to their their poor start. But now that they've got Robert Williams playing in his correct position, they've got people buying in, they've got people understanding their roles, they've got the best defense in the league. 
And they've got better players. And they've got better players because getting rid of Dennis Schroeder is always a positive. They got Tice back, right? Daniel Tice is back, is yeah. He, so, has he been playing? Yeah, so he's kind of maybe their seventh man. Romeo Langford might be their eighth man, so the problem is the depth. I was going to say, what have they got, a seven-man rotation? Yeah, yeah. A bit like the, the Raptors, they're gonna they're playing a seven- to eight-man rotation at the minute in the regular season. You know, Udoka doesn't really like to play more than seven guys because once you get down to the eights and nines, it's Peyton Pritchard. Yeah, it's, Bill Simmons was always raging about that. Uh, all their, their sort of their draftees, they weren't really playing them any minutes. And. Yeah, they haven't drafted very well recently, and they that's kind of showing now that they're, they're eighth and ninth guys. They will not be on the floor in the playoffs. The Celtics will be running seven men in the playoffs. Which, I mean, that fits into why you call them a dark horse and not a favourite, right? You know, yeah. If they but, were deeper, maybe they'd be... But, I mean, you know, they've won They've won 10 of their last 11 games. And, like I mentioned earlier, the Detroit Pistons managed to, to beat them. Why. So, they would have won 11 in a row. So, generally, you don't win 11 games in a row in the NBA if you're not quite a good team. And, when the East, considering how packed the East is together, I think they're a decent price whenever... I can't really pick anyone out of the East who I would consider the strong favourite. And... Like we do, we look at things like net written, you look at things like simple written. The Celtics are the best net written in the East. So it's usually a good sign, or a decent it's sign. As good as, as any. It's yeah. a decent sign as to how good a team is. So now they're in the sixth seed at the minute. I do think, I make them favourites to win the Atlantic. It's basically the Celtics versus the Sixers at the minute. So whoever wins the Atlantic, I think will end up with maybe the third or the fourth seed. So hopefully if they can get a home fixture in the first round... That makes it a bit easier to, to get to the semi-finals and the finals. So we'll see. I, I think I think they're a good a good shout for for the outright at thirty to one. What about matchup wise? Have, did you run through that in your head? Like if they were to get to the East Finals, do you know who hypothetically? So yeah. Well, again, because the East is a bit of a clusterfuck, it's kind of you need to go through so many different teams. True. So if you think the the best teams in the East, for example, the seventy sixers, the Celtics just beat them by fifty. Now James Harden wasn't playing. Fair enough, but neither was Time Lord for the Celtics. Yeah, if you look at matchup wise, if you discard teams below the six seed, and I'm gonna discard the Cavs too because I don't think the Cavs are gonna cause any problems for anyone yeah. in the playoffs. I've I'm so fed up with the Cavs. <laughs> the teams you need to look at are the Nets, the Sixers, and the Heat, and the Bucks. Now, the poor Chicago Bulls didn't get a mention. No, I don't think so. I, I don't they were all, another uh, potential dark horse pick. I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna do. Yeah, no, not for me. But now the Bucks, the Celtics probably match up better with the Bucks than anyone in the East with their size you've got Time Lord you've got Al Horford you've got Daniel Tice so there's three seven footers you've got rangy wings like you said Tatum and Brown are both six foot eight you know you got to build the wall against Giannis if you look at teams in the east I don't really know anyone who could maybe build a bigger wall than the Celtics the Heat are the only other ones really do you know in terms of uh, Bam and PJ Tucker and you know, they are, and even Butler you know can, can do a shift on his great defender so yeah but to that point in the bubble, yes, that worked. But remember last year, the Bucks swept the Heat 4-0. Yana seemed like he figured the Heat out. Yeah, this is why when I when I dated them as my potential dark horse pick, I did actually look into that matchup again because, you know, they, yeah, they played two last two years in a row. First year, it was fucking dreadful um, in the bubble. And then last year, yeah, they, they sort of went and they swept them. But the Heat have Spo, one of the best coaches in the league. So if anyone's going to make adjustments, it's going to suit. They've also changed their team a bit. Hero... It looks like he's figured out his role. He's he's performing as best as he can. That scoring off the off the bench, brought in Larry, you know, brought in PJ Tucker. He could do no more. Giannis. I actually do think that that series, if played today or if it ends up happening, is going to be a lot closer than a four zero sweep. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, going back to the the, the dark horse, I, I quite like twelve to one for the East for the Celtics, because I could see the Celtics winning the East, but I would make the Warriors and the Suns favorites against the Celtics in the finals. Yeah, same. So. 
I don't mind 12 to 1 for the East. I think that's probably worth a small bet. I do like their 4.33 to win the Atlantic Division, which I still think is a good bet. Uh, my models have them beating the Sixers by maybe one game or maybe tying the Sixers. Yeah, so the opportunity to hedge that out uh, as the season comes closer to an end would be there as well. Yeah, there should be. So that that's what I like in terms of dark horses. Yeah, okay, that's good. So I still can't believe your reaction to the Mavericks pick. So, yeah, like we said, the NBA is a bit quieter over All-Star break, so we decided to do our sort of scope of the whole championship. Um, we're looking forward to really getting back into nightly NBA games and being able to, to see the movements. And Can I just say one thing on the De'Aaron Fox NFT scandal? Yeah, yeah, jump in. So last night, news broke that Sacramento Kings player De'Aaron Fox announced his Swipe of the Fox NFT project was ending. So I'll read, I'll read from the news report here. Darren Fox announced his Swipe of the Fox NFT project in mid-December and the high-utility NFT connection went live on January 15th. The project roadmap promised a metaverse basketball court, a scholarship to a University of Kentucky student and chances to win all-star gaming tickets as well as much more to come. The project had over 100,000 people in its Discord and pulled in about 475 Ethereum, which was $1.5 million at the time. Suddenly, on February 23rd, the project deleted all its social media accounts and most of its Discord. Darren Fox wrote in the remaining Discord announcement channel that the time and attention that y'all deserve that I wanted to give y'all and what this project requires was not known to me and I overstepped and stretched myself too thin trying to do this project in the middle of an NBA season. <laughs> he promised to send anyone who bought more than five NFTs, which would have cost $1,300, a signed jersey. So It's an expensive signed jersey. Meanwhile, he made no apparent effort to communicate publicly that the project was shutting down, such as on his personal 300,000 follower Twitter account where he had previously been hyping the project. Mm-hmm. So De'Aaron Fox rug-pulled his own NFT his, his own, own fans. Fan. What a fucking scumbag. So what I thought was, why would you burn money on NBA player NFTs when you can just bet on the Cleveland Cavaliers instead? Like <laughs> that was a great setup. Or yeah. Draymond Green, Defensive Player of the Year, 17 Yeah, points. but like, just actually to talk about that, that's... Like how much he's on? A, he's a max contract, right? He's on a max contract. I think what he's on twenty five million dollars a year, almost thirty million dollars a year, and he's scamming his own fans out of one and a half million dollars. Scumbag, and he's really overrated too. And NFTs are shit. And just just buy Bitcoin instead. Yeah, yeah, that's that's for another podcast. That's, yeah, that's we'll for save, our offshoot. We'll save that. Yeah, we'll save that. Yeah, but don't get caught by NFT scams. Don't buy NBA player NFTs. Yeah, or Top Shots. Yeah. Well, yeah. I almost bought you a Top Shot for Christmas. Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> uh, which one was it? Uh, Evan Mobley. Oh, that was really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, oh, no, I'm sad. Oh, uh, I don't know. Maybe next year. No, they'll be more. They'll be more expensive next year, actually. Yeah, yeah. you missed. You missed yeah. the price. Okay, so uh, just to wrap up, we're gonna we're gonna go off last week, and we're gonna continue with a bit of story time. Running story last week about the getting hacked in his account, and I finished off with only you could have someone hack an account and make you money. Kind of stupid thing for me to say because it's actually happened to me as well. So. <laughs> So I'm going to go through a quick story. There's some other people involved and some things that are involved that I'll, I'll just not name any names just in order to, you know, keep myself clean. So I, like we mentioned, I think in one of our, in our first pod, uh, we get banned and sort of limited by a lot of bookmakers. So over time, we literally have every single bookmaking account that you can have in the UK and they get cancelled. You have to look elsewhere. So there's a couple of places you can go. Betfair Exchange is one of them. You can't get limited on the exchange, but the problem is it's hard to get on a lot of things. So I reached out to a friend and he let me use his account. He would deposit money. For, I would send him money on PayPal. He would deposit it from his PayPal to his betting account and we'd go from there. And I, It's called using a beard. A beard. A beard. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what the Americans call it. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, he was my beard. So yes, I've been use- I was using this account for a while. No worries. One day I was out at a bar with him and just just as normal, talking talking away, nothing really strange or startling happened. 
I then left and went to another bar. He wasn't going out. So this is about maybe 40 minutes after I'd seen him or an hour after I'd seen him. I start getting texts while I'm in this other bar saying, are you okay? This is mad or something. And I didn't really understand what he was talking about. So I was like, what? And he says, you're depositing a load of money. You have a big, having a big bet on. And I went, no, I'm not. He was getting, he got notified anytime I made a deposit from the PayPal to the betting account. And on his side, all he was seeing was £999 deposited, £999 deposited. And it just kept going and kept going. And I freaked out and realised immediately that the account had been hacked. I, I was blocked at the time, I was drunk at the time. And so I was in a bar, logged in on my phone to his account and seen that someone had, at that point in time, all I seen was there was £3,500 in the account, still that, you know, just sitting there in my, in my wallet. So I immediately changed the password and sort of had to sit there for a minute and text him he was freaking out so i had to text him and say right figure out what's going on so what i figured out was it wasn't just three and a half grand someone had deposited nearly nine grand into the account and what they'd done was it was better exchange they were using so what they'd done was they deposited nearly nine grand they'd bet it on an obscure market so it was actually an nba match that bucks nba match they picked like a really high points total for the bucks specifically. Like these are markets that there's just no liquidity. No one actually bets on them. They'd bet it at these awful odds that no one would bet. And they obviously had enough money in another bet for exchange account that they could then come and lay that bet, which is essentially they just took took my action, really. So what they were doing was they were just shifting money from one bet for account to another through the medium of me and my friend's account. So the funniest thing about it is the cunt logged in from Madagascar. So not only... Well, either Madagascar or more than likely a VPN that said he was from Madagascar. So they essentially transferred the money to themselves and managed to move, you know, more than half of it before I got on and changed the password. Went on a Betfair, seen the Madagascar thing, laid into the Betfair support staff saying, how can you let someone log in from Madagascar on the UK Betfair account? In, in hindsight, I didn't have two-factor authentication, so I can't really hold anyone else to blame for that. So what then proceeded was a very long, drawn-out process between myself, my friend, Betfair, PayPal and his bank to try and figure out who had actually, because he didn't have that much, that much money in his bank at the time, so what had happened was we thought PayPal had fronted it and then they would, you know, PayPal did, as far as we were aware, front it and then they were going to take it from the bank after, which is mad that that's allowed to happen anyway. In the end, that this was drawn out for months, in the end, no one actually came looking for the remaining 3.5k that was in his account. We, his bank didn't have, you know, there was no negative withdrawals from that, PayPal were happy enough, Betfair were happy enough. Uh, so we just split the three and a half grand between us. <laughs> so uh, we now always reference uh, uh, Mr. Madagascar because I'm pretty sure Mr. Madagascar helped my friend put a deposit down in his house. Oh, so, that's not bad. Yeah, so it all ended up pretty good. But it was a few months of stress and my friend not being a gambler and not being, you know, used to things of this sort of ilk, he was, uh, he was fucking raging. How much did Mr. Madagascar make? So, like six grand? No, about, well, about four and a half grand. Four and a half grand? Yeah. And nothing, like even though Betfair knew what account had laid the money, there's no proof really that yeah. he had hacked into. So, I mean, we know that he did and they probably know that he did, but you can't prove it so they yeah. couldn't shut his account down or, or, you know, take the money off him. So lessons learned, always use two-factor authentication on your betting accounts well, and any account. Well, I mean, should you? I made a grand and a half out of it. Like. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, yeah, use two-factor authentication. I'm an idiot. And uh, But yeah, so that's my betting story for today. Very good. Uh, if you tune in next week, I'll have another betting story for you about a time I took a bookie to court.
yes, looking forward to this one. This should be a big one. And final thought, just before we end too, this has probably been the most dangerous podcast in the world because, as we said at the start, Ronan does have COVID and I've really, really cleverly decided to just sit opposite him for an hour and talk about basketball. So this is what I put myself through to bring you this content. Yeah, we've been in the same room now for about an hour and a half. Yeah, uh, so next week if I come on coughing, spluttering and with the sore throat, it's my own fault. Now, Ryan did have COVID three weeks ago, so... We're kind of testing the theory that you can't get it twice. We're testing. Well, we're testing your antibodies out. Yeah, and we'll see how healthy I am. So we'll have an update for everybody next week. And I am due to go on holiday next week, so this is a really fucking bad decision if oh, I get COVID. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode, everybody. Yeah, I hope it was worth Ryan missing his holiday. Yeah, stay safe. See you later. Thanks. See you next week.